Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Simplifying Complexity, the podcast from DTP. In this episode, we'll be continuing to talk about artificial intelligence. I'm Matt Armstrong-Barnes, Chief Technologist for AI at HPE. And once again, I'm going to be chatting to Ian Henderson, a fellow Chief Technologist of mine, Howard Hall, CEO of DTP, and Dave Jones, Director of Diddled Ways of Working, Chair of the UK IT Leaders Group, and former CIO of a large manufacturing group. So let's get stuck right in, and I'm going to put you on the spot, Ian. How has AI bolstered manufacturing, and are there any specific use cases you can talk about? Sure. Well, I hope we're um, among some petrol heads um, because I've got a couple of use cases that illustrate the power and usefulness of AI in two aspects of motorsport. And that's based on our partnership with Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team. Um, and the team there were not sure that they could take advantage uh, from machine learning. And interestingly, they, they, they do use the term machine learning and not AI. And, and, and that's because, you know, they look at it as the way of automating a task. And it's not intelligence, it's just automating something that's already done. So we actually embedded a data scientist into their team uh, to look at how they could investigate taking advantage of AI for different parts across across the race team. And, and the first use case is a little bit sensitive to their performance, so we're not allowed to discuss it in too much detail. Uh, but we took a lot of the data that's generated in the early stage of the car design and the traditional analysis for that took them six weeks. And we were able to build a model and apply machine learning, reducing that process to less than a week. I think it was down to from six weeks to about a day. Um, and then they spent a few days looking at those images and just checking they agreed with the model. So that allows them to do different iterations of a design at that point in the, in the design uh, stage for the car. But if you think of a manufacturer, of how, how that could help with reduced time to market through simulation and analysis at early stages of design. Um, and the second one with the race team there was around the simulation of the car setup for a race weekend. So they can't simulate all of this ahead because, you know, the Formula One car changes through the season. And if you think of last year, where they were going to be racing was changing from week to week. So you <laughs> you can't do all of that analysis up front. And that analysis work for the car setup as to how they'd set up the suspension and gear ratios and those sorts of things used to take four days to compute. And we were able to apply uh, powerful compute and machine learning to that to reduce that process to less than a day. So that meant they could run several iterations as to what would they do for a wet race, for a dry race, different things. But the really important thing now is that they can run um, free practice on a Friday morning, take the data from how they performed with that setup they calculated, feed that in and run another model again overnight, ready to potentially make any changes on the Saturday morning. So really powerful ways of, you know, in Formula One where time is critical for everything, um, helping them make those decisions more quickly. But I think in traditional manufacturing markets, looking at you know what a difference that would take to time to market in product development. I mean, that's fantastic. Really interesting stuff. <laughs> Hugely exciting what's happening in a Formula One space. I'm just looping back to you, Howard. I mean, you spoke briefly in the previous episode about how AI was being used to, 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 to provide innovative solutions. Can you expand on what you've learned from your experience about how you see the business value 
emerging from AI across other fields? Yeah, uh, I'm going to sort of go slightly off piste here in terms of manufacturing, although you could say the university sector are actually making the employees of the future. So there's a little bit of a tenuous link there, really. But a business we work with is a company called Solution Path, where they are uh, delivering sort of three use cases, really delivering using AI and ML technologies. And it's centered around that sort of getting the most out of the student, really, or them getting the most out of their investment in, in, in studying at university. And the first one's really around retention, effectively. So it's, you know, as humans, we are uh, susceptible to doing the same thing. Uh, we like routine. And, and what Solution Path do is they use large data sets to predict uh, student changes in behavior, really. And uh, and they see that at the really earliest stage and, and from the data sets that they've got and the knowledge that they've got over a number of years, they can sort of say that that student's change in behaviour is actually going to lead to within 12 to 16 weeks them leaving university. So what that gives in uh, in, in a real business outcome opportunities, it gives the chance for the university to get upstream and, and head off a problem uh, before it turns into a problem. Bear in mind, these are sort of first, you know, these are young people that have just left school effectively and are probably living away from home for the first time, although maybe not in the COVID times. But uh, uh, so there's, there's a lot of pressure on them to, to deliver in, in, a, in a really alien environment. So it, it allows them to sort of give a really enhanced support. And obviously, from a university perspective, it allows them to improve retention. And of course, uh, students are customers and they are, they are fee paying. But also the, the way that they solution path work with the technology is that patterns, those those engagement patterns change on a you know on a daily basis. Because I say that as a, as a species we do the same thing over and over again. We we do to some extent, but actually those patterns need to be tweaked as as uh, changes in the environment. So a university may open a new building or 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 move to a new campus or. Uh, students may be uh, going year one from living on campus to living off campus. So their sort of data sets and the, and the nuances around the data sets change. So the, so the pattern, the patterns also have to be intelligent and, and, and change as well. The machines deliver that for them. The other thing that uh, that business does is, is as well is, is it, it can see the, the trajectory of the student in terms of their academic journey. So again, looking at sort of pattern matching, and again, all machine driven here, it's looking at those students who are on a very high success trajectory and those that are on a, a failed trajectory. And if you go back to my sort of university days, it was a one size fits all in terms of support unless I went looking for it. And actually what the technology is allowing us to do is get on the front foot and turn that sort of notion around where the university can now tier and tailor its support to where it, when it's needed as opposed to that one size fits all uh, approach that it historically will, will have had and that's all sort of driven by the technology this is this is software enabled uh, innovation that is is allowing this to, without the sort of need for lots of data scientists sat in the background it's it's, it's product that's actually delivering this and the algorithms as well so that's the sort of a, a real sort of real world example that we're pretty close to we've had a, a big hand in, in, in helping solution paths develop that solution over a number of years. And it's been really interesting to see how it's evolved and how it is continuing to evolve to build. Thanks, Howard. I mean, I do think from an AI perspective, you're kind of limited by your imagination, really, especially when you start to think about, if from an unstructured data perspective, what's AI great at? Regression and classification. 
So what do I mean by that? Classification is grouping things together and regression is making a prediction based on that grouping. And you don't need to teach the AI what the grouping looks like. So in, in that scenario, it's looking at a whole bunch of unstructured information to inform, to make predictions about what is going to happen. So this group of students are behaving, uh, exhibiting this behavior. And as a result, the algorithm would predict that they are potentially leaving allowing human beings to then make informed decisions about the interventions that they're going to make. Really interesting stuff. So come on in, Ian. HPE, we must be doing something with AI in our own internal processes. I don't know about some of the, if you can talk about some of the stuff that we're doing. Absolutely, Matt. So, you know, AI can be used for a number of different use cases across manufacturing, you know, and the example I said is easiest to start with is things like quality control inspection. Um, but we've also look at it, looked at how we can optimize supply chain and the manufacturing process. Um, and our vision here is when it really makes a difference is when we can apply it to that full manufacturing process. So today, we have lots of automation right, in, in Industry 3.0. And where we're looking to move to at Industry 4.0 is to take things like AI to apply that to the manufacturing process to make it autonomous so that it can understand what's happening through the manufacturing process and dynamically adjust and tune that process for better quality, for better yield. Um, and we're applying some of that technology within our own business. So the first one that we did, and actually in our factory in the Czech Republic, in EMEA, uh, where we worked with a, a software partner called Rallymetrics, um, and we're using AI to inspect every server that comes to the end of the production line. So we've got, uh, I think, three cameras that look at the server. We have a local platform in the factory that then runs analytics looking at that server to check that all of the components are installed in the right places. You know, there are screws in the holes that they need to be, that memory dims and CPUs are seated correctly. And that process previously would have taken you know, three or four minutes for a, a human to do, and the human is going to get bored doing that um, with the risk of them potentially missing things, right? So um, we've built that in. It runs locally. It takes just a few seconds to do that complete analytics process, and we've reduced the risk of human error, right? And I think for us, that was a really nice place to start because it was a relatively simple use case that could be built standalone. Right? We're not having to change existing processes to integrate with other existing IT systems. It, it's a standalone uh, process for that initial point. Um, and the projects that we're working on now, as I mentioned, is then looking at how can we apply AI to a pretty complex supply chain, You know, particularly with some of the challenges with shipping and COVID and um, things like some of the semiconductor availability issues that we're seeing hitting industries like automotive at the moment. Um, how can you apply AI to look at that and help you optimize the supply chain and reduce risk and cost? So we continue looking to where we can apply these techniques within our own business and then using that as an example to take out and share with customers. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Ian. I mean, really, really interesting stuff. And I think we have talked a little bit about the sort of how you would do the build process there's loads of great AI technology out there where people have already done some of this hard work. So which does lead us to the age old question, buy or build. Dave, interested in your view? 
Yeah, thanks, Matt. I mean, it really is a an age-old question that we've been asking each other for ever when it comes to software applications like ERP, and it's moved on to um, the more modern um, digital disruption type stuff like like AI. Um, I think the if you go back to basics, the the thing you need to do is first of all identify what the core business requirements are. Have a look at what the existing solutions are and then see if there's a off-the-shelf solution that fits your needs. Um, if, if there isn't, then you start to look at what the other options are and you start to look at building and you start to look at outsourcing or, or whether you've got people internally to build those solutions for you. I think in, in a nutshell, um, typically, when you buy software, it's off the shelf. It's suited to a fairly common process. It's got quite common widespread uses that a lot of businesses have already implemented it for, but maybe doesn't give you a, a particularly competitive advantage or differentiate you. Whereas I tend to lean more to build where you're looking for a more bespoke solution and you're looking for applications that can give you that competitive advantage and more innovative solutions probably wanted to make it your own intellectual property so i'd, I'd generally be looking to buy when it's a, a fairly widespread um business case and application and build where you're looking to be a little bit more unique and innovative yeah it is all about that differentiation and there are the, the ai landscape has exploded you know there's there's a massive amount of technology out there as i said the the revolution that happened in AI that drove it into the mainstream was coming up for 10 years ago. So that does mean that there's quite a lot of really innovative technology out there. And when you start thinking about going on the AI journey, there's a lot to be said for partnership. Find the right partner that you can go on the journey with, who's already invested time, effort and energy in building out that ecosystem, finding all of those organizations that they can that, that they can engage with, with you to find out whether or not there's somebody who's already tackled that problem. So you don't need to go out there and build it on your own. Howard, I don't know if there are any other things that you need to consider when you're thinking about buying or building. Yes, Matt, there's, uh, there's, you could say there's a third option called uh, transfer learning as far as AI is concerned. And I'll use the example, I'll expand on the example I gave earlier around Solution Path, uh, which is the student engagement analytics business uh, that I talked through there, sort of business outcomes and use cases for. And in reality, if you think of yourself as a, as a new organisation uh, looking to implement AI-based technologies, uh, why, why not, you know, not just buy, but actually bring in the learning, the, the learnings that already have been achieved there. And I'll use the solution path example to say, typically, you know, that business, when they're deploying it to another university, they'll use a pre-trained algorithm, uh, which probably comes out of one of their sort of first clients. And it's into place, you know, as part of that initial sort of buy solution. Uh, but it means that you can really cut down the sort of time to value as opposed to you know, building your own or buying from, from afresh and starting from afresh and then having to train from afresh. It sort of probably cuts in that particular case the, uh, the time to value down from, from months to days. 
And if you think about it in, in real world terms, what that means is, you, for example, the first university that Solution Path worked with was Nottingham Trent University. Uh, their algorithm uh, will be totally need to be t- trained totally differently to, let's say, a, a non-city centre university. Uh, but in reality, the principles are the same, and that algorithm can that 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 transfer learning model can be applied pretty pretty quickly. Uh, so let's say Keele University, for instance, which is a, which is a greenfield campus, uh, can, and another solution path client can take that sort of base algorithm and start their their, their work with that. And over time, quickly, the the, the nuances are, are introduced around their data, having uh, taken that sort of base base algorithm, and and cut the the journey uh, to, to to good, you know, down by months really, and obviously gives them a, a, a much improved. ROI and a much faster ROI. I think it's good. I think it's it's interesting to say that there, there are people working on tackling some of these solutions inside the same same industry. So it is a case of finding those innovative solutions that somebody else has built and working out how they can be built into your environment. And that there are also ones where we see AI being taken across industry. So the Relometrics example that Ian talked about Relimatrix actually built their AI model specifically for cosmetics. It, it wasn't really built to work in a, a you know a HPE compute environment where we're building servers. So what we what we did with Relimetrics was through the transfer learning process, we sort of snipped the end of their model off and dropped our uh, specific data requirements on the end of their model, and that created a model that was specific for us. So having that deep understanding of how AI works from a technology perspective is is critical in understanding whether or not you can take a technology that tackles one problem and apply it to a slightly different problem by understanding the way the technology works. So, um, Ian, so do we, HPE, I mean, you talked about a couple of examples of where we've got it embedded in our our systems and our manufacturing processes. Uh, Are we using it anywhere else? That's a yeah, great question. We've actually built it into most of the products that we sell. Um, our InfoSight platform uses AI to monitor the health and configuration of most of our customers' machines. So this means that when an issue occurs with one customer, we're able to proactively contact all of the other customers that have that sort of equipment, that sort of environment, um, to make sure that they don't experience the same issue. And that's not just looking at our equipment. It's looking at the environment, like the virtualization layer, the applications that are running on it. So um, it could be that when a patch is released by a virtualization vendor and it causes an issue, we can stop proactively other customers installing that patch. And what does that mean to us as a business? So this has actually reduced the number of calls that we get from our customers by 50%. All right, so huge difference to, to... our ability to um, uh, spend more time giving a quality service to our customers. Customers get a much better experience. We've also built it into the security monitoring. I mentioned in the last podcast as security being a, an important area where this can be applied. So we apply that to the monitoring of networks and of Wi-Fi um, in what we call AI ops. So we gather one and a half billion data points a day and we can predict issues on customers' networks before they even see them occurring. So... You know, we've done that ourselves and we're now working, I'm working with 
a couple of customers at the moment that are looking at taking that approach to build their own connected products and have the ability to offer higher value services based around their connected products, applying AI to that. And with that approach, you know, as I said, it gives you a more intimate relationship with your customer. You know how they're using the product. You can proactively service it and reduce downtime. It, and it enables a potentially a new business model where you're offering that as a service with a very, very different relationship with your end customer. Cool. Thanks, Ian. I'm going to tackle the elephant in the room now. This all sounds incredibly interesting stuff, you know, science fiction-esque, what AI can do. So come on, Dave, put your CIO hat on. This stuff sounds really expensive. How, how, how would you build the business case to support um, implementing AI into your organization? Yeah, thanks again. Um, I think the whole Industry 4.0 and digital transformation has all been driven around the the technology advances that have been made over the last 10 years or so. And it just means that you can go much quicker, you can start much smaller. Um, it's so much faster now to get high-performance computing. Um, you can fire things up in the cloud really easily, and it's not expensive to do that. So start small, um, as we've alluded to on the, the episodes so far. Find a business case. Find a, a problem you're trying to solve. Um, data volumes are at all-time high, so you need to really find out in your organization what that valuable data is and how you utilize it that's the key thing for me what's the data what's the business outcome um and ai really is a game changer so you've got to get on board now because your, your competitors will be putting solutions in and if you get behind the curve you're never going to catch them up from here yeah it's a good point thanks dave hpc is is Whereas historically it was wrapped up in the realms of you know high high end academia or government, now there are a significant portfolio of high performance compute available, on prem economics when it comes to making this a viable technology. So when you talk about starting small, it is really interesting to see how AI is becoming increasingly democratized. What that really means is it's available to everybody. Um, Howard. How do you really see this happening so that AI is much more widely available for general consumption? Well, you know, what helps is massively is companies like HPE with the support of NVIDIA uh, providing AI starter kits that let developers and even small companies, you know, get a foot on the ladder and get started and start developing AI projects. And the key here is, uh, and I think as we've said all the way through, uh, the podcast is it's start small, find a problem you need to solve and uh, and learn while you're doing things and providing value to your organization. Simple as that, I think. Yeah, definitely. And put a bit of bit of history as to why, why HPE developed the starter kits. We see some of the challenges that live in the AI space around data gravity, where the data is and how you want to execute against it. So there are some great offerings that come when it comes to the hyperscalers, you know, how you can use the public cloud to execute against your AI workloads. But also there are lots of scenarios where the value of your data is so critical or it's at the edge where you don't necessarily want to start to use to use public cloud capabilities, where you might want to deploy that type of capability on 
on-prem. And as a result, that's why, driven by customer demand, we worked on building out these starter kits that are a great way of getting organizations started on going on the AI journey. And they can start small and they can grow as your needs as your needs grow. And also, from an HPE perspective, we can wrap all of that interesting economics around it so that you can get that public cloud experience, both from an agility and a cost perspective um, when it comes to running on-prem AI workloads. So just as a final thing, um, Dave, Howard, Ian, thanks very much for joining me. Really interesting chat and really excited to be part of this conversation about how to get really get started on the AI journey. So to all our listeners, thank you for joining us. And if you have any AI-related queries, please feel free to reach out to us either through uh, dtpgroup.co.uk or hpe.com. So goodbye and keep it simple.